Welcome to the Ruins Benders Podcast, Episode 17, Playing Like Pricks, brought to you on our new home, the Inside the Rink Podcast Network. InsideTheRink.com is your one-stop shop for all your NHL news, insight, and analysis. Follow them on Twitter at Inside underscore the underscore rink. The Bruins Brenner's podcast is also sponsored by Lops Brewing. Lops is a brewery and tasting room in downtown Woonsocket, Rhode Island, specializing in small batch ales and lagers. It's open seven days a week. You can use the coupon code SPORTS to get 10% off your online order. Go to lopsbrewing.com and follow them at Lops Brewing. I am Maddie. My co-host has a word from our sponsor, BetUS. Yeah, BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and NFL betting lines for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for the BETUS.com. Sign up with the promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use the promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid, BetUS. And, Smitty, it's the weekend review, and with Brad Marchand losing his appeal, the Bruins would have to face these three games ahead without Marchand and on February 17th at the New York Islanders. One of the worst efforts of the season, a 4-1 to loss to the Islanders. They need to win these games against these lesser teams. It was another bad second period, which had been a trend for quite some time. It was just kind of a rinse and repeat kind of situation for them then. Yeah, it's embarrassing. That was an embarrassing effort. Uh, I feel like the team needs a shakeup or an injection of energy of some kind. Um, and I feel like that's on the general manager. I mean, he's been kind of dragging his feet with the DeBrusque thing. Uh, so how long are you going to let the team kind of twist in the wind playing uninspired hockey uh, before you do something about it? So I feel like, uh, you know, the general manager needs to step up in this situation. Yeah, the DeBrus situation has been sort of strange. He's played better at times and then back to where he was at times. And they have dragged their feet with him. And, and I don't, I'm not sure what value they think he's going to all of a sudden appear to have. <laughs> I mean, I guess he is what he is right now. And that's a, you know, he's a decent player. They mm-hmm. probably could add some speed and some and a little bit of goal scoring, I guess, on the right team, on the right line. But, you know, what, what kind of value are you looking for him to really raise his value that much? It's it's really been a weird situation to have a guy who clearly didn't want to be there to continue to play. And to Jake's credit, he's been a good soldier and he's done, you know, he's done, you know, okay. And he's he's played fine. But um, it has been a, a weird situation for sure. Uh, February 19th at Ottawa, a 3-2 to two win in overtime. Jeremy Swayman kept a minute in this one. Uh, his last five games up to this, through this point, 940 save percentage. Brandon Carlo cuts his wrist, uh, wrist in the morning skate and then scores a goal later in the day. Uh, and he hadn't been playing well. He has, actually plays well in this game against the Senators. And maybe Cassidy's comments about being more like pricks resonated to him specifically. Uh, a great shot from Pasternak, who needs to be better. Uh, and it was a you know a huge shot for him, a huge a win for them. Not just because, you know, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's the Senators. You should win that game. But uh, at the time, it was, it was really needed uh, for this team. Yeah, I didn't think it was a particularly great great game. Still a lot of the same issues, bad puck management, not winning battles, a bad second period. But Swayman was excellent. DeBrus scores, Kylo scores. It was Kylo's first point in 19 games. It was Kylo's best game in a long time. And maybe that gets him going a little bit. 
then Pasta scores the game winner in OT with an absolute bomb. Uh, he needed it. The team needed it. The fans needed it. I needed it. <laughs> I mean, everybody, everybody needed that to go in and for them to to win that game. It was a it was a big two points in a game that really was a must win against a, a, a lesser opponent. Sure, and and you know these Facebook groups that I that I'm on and we're on, uh, as far as Bruins fans are concerned, uh, many of them just uh, besides themselves with uh, obviously Marsha mis- missing games and the team playing just dreadful hockey for a time, and you know do they blow it up? Do they add to it? And you know Bruins fans, I mean they get they get really uh, you know they get a hair across their ass pretty quickly, uh, and this was a this was a much needed win at least to come off the ledge a little bit, uh, and then today February twenty first. First, the Colorado Avalanche. I the Bruins are eight and one in day games, which I didn't realize. Daytime games eight and one. Typically, in the past, you thought matinees were were not a great situation for the Bruins. It seemed like they always lost, you know, day games back in the day. But they're excellent during the day. Uh, best effort for sixty minutes all year long, considering the opponent the opponent as well. The the elite of the NHL, really. Them in Florida, probably the two best teams in the league. Really good response, I thought, after Nathan McKinnon's goal in the power play. Uh, they come right back, sw- score two quick goals. All lines are playing well. I thought it was Brandon Carlo's best game he's played in a long time. I mean, I thought I was really paying attention to Carlo, and he really looked more confident with the puck. He was skating quicker, making better decisions, as I thought, you know, using his body more so than in the past. So now Marchand returns. You're 3-2-1 and one in the six games that he missed. So, so that dodged the bullet there. Uh, and now you're going out west to play four really winnable games. Yeah, I thought it was their best 60 minutes of the season, uh, especially based on where their game has been lately and the the opponent quality of opponent. Colorado was in Boston basically waiting for them. They hadn't had a game for a few days. They beat Buffalo uh, recently, so they were fresh, and uh, the Bruins jumped on them early and, and really played the complete 60 minutes, definitely their best their best game of the season, especially with no Marchand. So uh, total team effort. I thought Kylo was excellent too. Got a point again today, so now he has points in back-to-back games after not having a, <laughs> and not having anything for uh, you know basically 20 games. So uh, it was nice to see that, and I thought the coil line, the numbers line, 11, 12, 13 line was excellent again today. Had a real great, real, real good shift with puck possession and holding it down low to, to lead to that first Pasternak goal. Really a total team effort overall and, and a really nice win against, you know, arguably the best team in the league. You know, after the game, you know, after that first period when they were ahead, I thought, okay, here's the second period. And you always sort of duck because the right. second periods have been so bad. And they still played pretty good hockey in the beginning of the second period. And then, you know, the Avalanche score and the Bruins just really jumped on them and came back with two quick goals. I thought their their forechecking was so good and their puck pursuit was so good today. It, it seemed like they were the faster team. Yeah, they're uh, for, for large portions of that game. Yeah, their their forecheck and their back check today was tremendous. Like there was a there was a play even real late in the game. Uh, you know, they had a five one lead. The game was pretty much, you know, not in doubt at that point. Uh, three on two for the Avalanche Avalanche. Coyle gets all the way back and intercepts a pass on the back check, you know, with only, you know, three or four minutes left in the game. At that point, it really doesn't matter, but it was great to see the details like that and them finishing the game strong all the way to the end. Yeah, and there was a game that they really, and you could see, maybe maybe that game in Colorado where they blew the lead, you know, maybe that was a factor today, but I think that obviously winning the game in Ottawa, getting that goal, Pasta gets the goal, and then they come back home and they're playing an elite team who they, who they 
should have beaten the first time, uh, and then they come out and play with the conviction they played with, I thought was a really good sign. And now with Marshan coming back, now you have maybe you have something that you go on a little bit of a run here on the West Coast. Uh, all right, now it's time for seven chirps where we answer seven questions about the Bruins and the league. And number one chirp today. Brad Marchand's suspension was upheld. Gary Bettman says that Marchand has an unenviable record. There's a report going out that Bettman actually set the suspension, and that's why the appeal was denied. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, first of all, Bettman shouldn't be setting the suspensions because they have a Department of Player Safety. I mean, the Department of Player Safety is a joke because there is no consistency at all within that with different plays that happen. Marcus Foligno knees a guy in the head, gets two games, and... Marshan gets six for, you know, a, a punch to a guy who has a full helmet on and then a, a stick. People are saying he swung his stick. Like, it wasn't Marty McSorley there chopping some guy's no. head. He poked him. No. It was a poke. Yeah. It was not a yeah. swing of the stick. It was not yeah. a baseball swing in any way. So I, out there in his face. Yeah. yeah, so I don't understand all the uproar about it. It's because it's Marshan. Yes, he has a history. He's the most suspended player in the history of the league. But there's other guys that should have been suspended for worse incidences that didn't. Mm-hmm. Like Yanni Gord boards Vakaninen. And he missed a bunch of time. And then he hits somebody again uh, in the last few days. And, you know, he's out there doing the same shit. So he hasn't learned his lesson because nothing happened to him. So I I, I just feel like they lay it on heavy on Marshand. The first suspension that he got this year, the history shouldn't have come into effect. If you you follow the collective bargaining, the history should not have played a part because he'd been clean for long enough that the history shouldn't right. have mattered at that point, yet it still right. did for some reason, for right. him only, and, and and it doesn't happen to other guys. So I, I don't know. I don't know if Marshan just ha- has ruffled so many feathers and, and, and done so many things to piss off people and, and the higher-ups at the league that they just kind of take it out on him or take it out on the team or, or what it is. But it seems like there's a different set of rules at player safety when it comes to what the Bruins do and what other people do. Yes, major inconsistency there, obviously. And, you know, look, Marshan, a lot of this is his own fault to an extent. You know, he's built a reputation. He has eight eight suspensions in his career. That's the most individual suspensions, I think, in the history of the league. So there's a history there. But as you said, he went a long stretch without without doing much of that type of step stuff and going over the, you know, over the line. Uh, so that kind of wipes it clean. And then now this year, he's had a couple of incidents where, you know, it's sort of edgy and it's borderline. It's this and that. Nathan McKinnon whacked the linesman today. Did you see that? Yeah. He, he just whacked him with the stick. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to see what happens there. I mean, you, you can't be physical with an official. No. So I'd like to see what that, cause he didn't, he, he whacked him. He didn't even come close I think it was Halla on the draw, maybe. And and he skated away and he just whacked the guy in the leg. No one's near no one else is near there. So you can't say like, well, I missed him and hit him. He whacked him in the leg. So we'll see what happens there. But I agree with you. I think that Batman should stay out of it. And I think I'd like to see more consistency. Yeah, if you want to do repeat offender stuff, I get it. That that definitely will you know, curb some of this because guys will, you know, will learn their lesson. But it doesn't seem to be very consistent at all. Uh, all right, number two, chirp number two, Patrice Bergeron ahead in the Selkie voting. At least one voter felt sorry, he said. He had to vote for him again. Has Bergeron, you think, been cheated out of more Selkies? 
I would, I mean, I'm a Bergeron guy, so I, I would say yes, probably <laughs> because right. I feel like he should win it every year. Cause he's that good. He's that mm. strong of a two-way player, best two-way player in the league for his prime, I would say. And, uh, you know, there's been other guys who have had good seasons. I don't know how you can give it to a winger. I don't know how you can give it, put some of these other guys in the, even in the conversation, Mitch Miner, Mitch Miner has no fucking business being in the Selkie conversation. None. No, but for some reason he is, or he was, I don't even, I don't even get it. I don't even understand how that could possibly be a consideration for someone. No, but but no. But then again, you know, people are feeling feeling sorry for voting for Bergeron. I guess it's like the Patriots thing. It's like you know, the media gets tired of the same old story. You know, you want some new blood yeah. in there or whatever it is. But vote for the guy who does the best job. I think another part of it is they don't want to. Was it Ganey who's won five? Ganey, yeah. So they don't yeah. want. I I think a lot of it is the the Canadian and especially the French Canadian press does not want to give Bergeron. The, the most of all time. I think that's yeah, part of it. That's too bad considering he's from Quebec. I know. And I, th- and I think that's a, I think, yeah. but I think that's a part of it. I don't, I don't think they want yeah. the, the record to go to a Bruins guy instead of a Montreal guy. And it's, and it speaks to how much of a douchebag the Canadian fucking fan base is yeah, yeah, the press corps. <laughs> you know, you know who I would pick over Marner is Marchand. Like Marchand's yeah. a better two-way player. Absolutely is. Mitch Marner is. Yeah. I mean, come on. And he makes $5 million less than Mitch Marner. Yeah. So give me a break. I mean, that's just, I think he has been. And I think that there's some Bergeron fatigue, like you yes. said. I think there's some of that for sure. But I don't think there's been many seasons where he hasn't played. I mean, he plays the same high quality way as a defensive forward. So I don't know where I'm, I'm sure there's been a year or two. He wasn't quite as good and fine. Right. But this year, I mean, again, he's been terrific again. And if he's that high in the voting, he should, he should get it again. I mean, if you're the best, you're the best. Uh, all right. Number three team USA men's out of the Olympics in the quarters. So much for the miracle run. <laughs> yeah. As one guy tweeted out about uh, comparing them to the 1980 miracle team. I, I just thought, you know, look, there's no, there's no NHL players. It's, it's probably a much more open tournament now than it has been. And, of course, they could lose in the quarters, and they did. But some of the decision-making, many veneers not being able to take, out, take a shootout goal and stuff, it was kind of weird to me. But I think that, you know, they, they should probably get past the quarters. Uh, and I'm not sure how many people really watched or cared either. That's the other thing. Yeah, I did. I didn't particularly follow the follow it. I if I knew it was on, I would watch a little bit of it. But I think I watched maybe like one and a half games this this Olympics. I I didn't I didn't even see yeah. the game they lost. So yeah. they should make it past the quarterfinals, though. They should. And I mean, in Canada, did Canada lose in the quarters of the semis? Canada they lost, lost too. the quarters as well. They yeah, were both out, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. It, it's Finland won, I think. Yeah, Finland beat uh, Russia, I believe, in the finals. Yeah, is that? Uh... Miro Satan's team? Yeah, it was. Oh, no, Slovakia was Miro Satan's team. Oh, they won the because they, they won a game, a big game, and they saw them. In yeah, the they, won the, they won the bronze, yeah, I they think. They advanced. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They won the bronze, yeah. Uh, so, you know, good for them, good for Finland. That's not a real, I feel like it's not a real tournament. They're talking, I think the right. NHL's talking about maybe bringing back the World Cup of Hockey or something like that if, if they can't do, get the Olympic things figured out. And they should do that because when they did, did have the uh the world cup there it was awesome for a little bit so you know i'd I'd love to see that i like i love you know nation nationwide tournaments like that get the best of the best together and and play it out and see who wins so hopefully they bring to something like that a nice uh you know july july august like tournament yeah world cup of hockey type thing 
Give me, give me that all day. Absolutely. Uh, trip number four, Team USA. Women lose 3-2 to two to Canada in the gold medal game. Canada wins gold. 3.4 million viewers, the most watched hockey game this year. Second most viewers of a U.S. hockey game since 2019. Yeah, I mean, Pretty I think... Impressive. Yeah, I think the Olympics, when the talent is there, I mean, that's what, that's what people want to watch, so... You know, when the NHL players were at the, at the Olympics and it was in Canada, like I, I couldn't get enough of that. I remember watching oh, all yeah. those games. That was terrific. Um, yeah. But, you know, you can't put it in fucking China and the games are on at 11 o'clock or 4 o'clock in yeah. the morning. Uh, it, it just doesn't work for, for here, uh, maybe for, no. you know, Europe and so forth. But this is where, you know, the epicenter of hockey is, you know, North America, basically. So, right. you know, this is where you want the games in prime time and so forth. So... It was it was a good game. It was it was fun. It was back and forth. You know, the USA made a push late, but you know, couldn't get it done. But uh, you know, that's a great rivalry, American yeah, and is. Canadian women. You know, Canada obviously has got the better of them a bunch of times. But uh, I think yeah. the US won won it last uh, Olympics. They I believe they won it last. They, yeah. they won it last time. They, haven't they been in like either five out of six or six out of seven gold medal games? Yeah, I think they have been the two. Each other. But you know, like anything else, I think in the next 10, 20 years, you'll probably see some other teams. You know, start to develop some good good teams. But right now, it's U.S. and Canada in women's hockey. All right, uh, chapter number five. Bruins have a history of struggling in shootouts. Bruce Cassidy recently said that goalie coach Bob Asenza handles the shooter selection. Do you think the Bruins are overthinking this a bit? Is this maybe too much analytics? Sometimes you'll you'll see a guy like Trent Frederick take a shootout uh, opportunity in, in, you know, in lieu of a guy who scores goals. I'm, I'm not sure if they just don't sort of overlook it. I think they are. I think they are overthinking it. I think they are overdoing it. And, and, and maybe, I mean, they have the analytics or whatever, but to me, like you put the guys out there that score your goals. So, right. you know, Bergeron, Pasternak, Marchand, Coyle, Hall, like yeah. those guys should be taking the majority of your penalty shots. Without uh, doubt. And I mean, if I'm going to go down, I want to go down with my best players taking shots. So that's my like, thought. Yeah. Uh, like you want pasta, Marchand, Hall, like you want those guys in there. And and if they can't score, then they don't score, and you don't win. But right. you know, I don't <laughs> right. want I don't want Nick Foligno and Connor Clifton right. and Trent Frederick taking penalty shots. I just don't. Right, I don't. I don't either. And you know, the thing is, you know, sometimes they go, you know, a guy more of a deeker than a shooter, more of a shooter than a deeker. Well, I'm telling you what, Trent Frederick is neither. So, what category was that <laughs> that you picked with Trent Frederick winning for the shot? Like, because he scored a goal five games ago? Uh, the high glass crew. Like, Jesus. Like, that's what I don't get. Like, it should be literally Marchand, Pasternak, Bergeron. Every single time. It should be Marshan, Pasenak, Bergeron, and Hall should be the no. top four every, every single time. time. You can you can change the order around. I don't sure. mind that. Change the order yeah. around. And right. you could throw Jake DeBrusque in there because he scores yeah. he scores uh and and Coyle and yeah. and even, you know, a McAvoy or a Grizzlick if you're if you're getting right. down down late in it. Or Craig yeah. Smith even. Right. But I don't want my bottom six. I don't want Lazar. I don't want Nosek taking penalty no. shots. Like no. give me my top four or five guys who score the goals. And, and everyone else can, you know, put their helmets on backwards and cheer them on, you know, right. whatever, rally helmets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but crying out loud. I don't understand. Like, I get the analytics thing, but analytics can really make you overthink the thing. Here, who has a better chance of scoring, David Pasternak or Trent Frederick? This is not difficult. It's not difficult at all. No, Trent Frederick could play 50 years in the league and not score as many goals as David Pasternak will. Yeah, there's another thing called the eye test. And, and yeah. you can look at somebody and be like, that guy scores goals and that guy doesn't. So let's put the guy that scores the goals <laughs> right. in the penalty shots. <laughs> right, right. 
My dad always said, some guys can score goals, some guys can't. That's, <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right, number uh, six, Sherp. How long can Don Sweeney let this team play uninspiring middling hockey until he does something about it? Of course, today they played much more inspired hockey, but there is an cons- inconsistency factor with this team, and how long can we keep going up and down the roller coaster before something needs to be done? Yeah, I feel like they need some upgrades. Let, let's mm-hmm. let's leave it at that. They They were playing really well for a while. And then they Mm -hmm. lost the game to the Avalanche. And then they were playing really kind of not necessarily bad, but not good. Not the Mm -hmm. standard that we've come to expect from the Bruins. And then the Islanders' effort was terrible. And then they, you know, they win Ottawa, but it still wasn't a great game. And then today against Colorado, they put it all together. So hopefully, you know, moving forward, that's more of the effort you get. But you still need to add. And you need to add to look toward the future. You need probably a second-line center. Or a first-line center, depending on what happens with Bergeron after this year. I feel like you need maybe another scoring winger. I think you need uh, some help on defense. So there's definitely some holes that you can fill. And I think trades give the team a jolt of energy. Brings in a new guy, makes people say, oh, you know, maybe my job might be on the line. I got to play a little harder. You know, there's things you can do to kind of tweak the team, give them a little nudge, give them a little goose and say, let's get going and play in the right way. And I think that needs to happen sooner rather than later. You know, I think that sometimes when they, like when they made a move for Taylor Hall, it made the team think like management believes in us. Like ma- management believes that we can win with this guy added in. Like the, you make a good move, big move like that. then the team gets a jolt because management believed in us enough to go get a guy. And if you don't, get a guy if you make like a real you know if you get a seventh defenseman or something and don't really do much else it can deflate a team and the, and the team can think well management really didn't go above and beyond to try to add to this team so they don't believe in us and we don't they don't think we're one of the top teams or can make a run at the cup so a lot can be said and a lot can be uh learned by the team as to what the uh, management does at the deadline. If Sweeney goes out and, and gets a guy and it's a and it's a real factor, it's like a second-line center or a guy who can really play, then the team might get a jolt from that. So we'll see just how much this ownership and management believes in the team. Uh, seventh chirp is Bruce Cassidy says, Bruins defensemen have to play more like pricks. Are they capable of it? Well, that's a that's a that's a good question because I I do agree with him that he ha- there are a lot of nice guys yes. on the roster. I think their de- mm-hmm. decor yeah. is full of guys who are good guys. It's nice. Mm-hmm. It's sweet. You know, Brandon Kylo is a good Christian. <laughs> I mean, I think that's all. Yeah. That's all well yeah. and good. But you do mm-hmm. need to play more like pricks on the ice. Right. And I don't right. think it's a coincidence that since Cassidy has called out the decor, that Brandon Kylo has been better. I don't think so. I think that particular quote was directed directly at Brandon Carlo because he is a large man and he plays like a sweetheart. He plays like a nice guy. Like the other day he got shoved down. I think it was Pajot in the Islanders game shoved down by the boards. Yeah. Sitting on his ass. He gets up, doesn't do anything. Nothing. Nothing. No retaliation. No stick to the knee. Nothing. Nothing. Didn't whack his shin pad. Didn't give him a shove. Nothing. Then he sees Pajot later in the game in front of the net. Whistle blows. They're like skating off. And he's like talking to him. 
you know, it seemed like it was like, how's the kids, you know, Fam, family good, <laughs> right. you know, Sorry, is every, everything, go, everything yeah. going all right with you? Yeah. Where yeah. to me, if that's me and just for the fuck of it, I'm going to give him a shove or give him a glove to the face just to say, I remembered you pushed me down, you fucking prick. Yeah. Let's not yeah. be best friends with them. Yeah. We're going next time. Right. That's what I would probably say, yeah. Give him a little cross check in the waist or do something to say, right. I'm here. It's not going to be as easy as you think it is in front of our net. So I think there is a correlation between Cassidy calling out the team and them starting to play better defensively. Here's, I sort of had an outside the box think, thinking on this. Bruce Cassidy, when he was an NHL player, he played 36 games for the Chicago Blackhawks. He had four goals and 13 assists, 17 points in 36 games in his career. Pretty good for a defenseman. Guess how many penalty minutes he had? Uh, 10. Yep. Boom. Wow. Ten. Five <laughs> minors. Five minor penalties in 36 okay. games. So what I'm thinking is this. Claude Julien on that team, that team that won the Cup, Andrew Ferentz, Adam McQuaid, Dennis Seidenberg, Johnny Boychuk, all of them would be physical and rough and face wash you and fight you and chara, all of them. Every single one. This group, when they when, when they went from Julian to Cassidy, they want to go more puck-moving defensemen. They want to go more fluid offense out of the zone. Less physicality from the defense. Bruce Cassidy was that type of guy as a player. So I'm thinking to myself now, is Bruce Cassidy someone who wants to or capable of teaching that part of the game to his defenseman? He wasn't that guy. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's a very good point because maybe he's coaching it out of them, kind of, you right. know, where right. it's where it's like, look, we don't want to be shorthanded. We don't want to take penalties. Don't do anything stupid. Tie up sticks, play the puck instead of playing the man. But as a defenseman, there's a certain time and place for that like yes play the puck if you can take the puck and escape and transition sure but there are absolutely times where you need to play the man you can't play the puck every time you get dipsy dude by fucking nathan mckinnon if you're playing the puck you know all the time you know sometimes you have to play through the man sometimes the first guy eliminates the man the next guy grabs the puck then you're away right so yeah you need to find a balance of that they do need to absolutely be more pricks in their own end. I think they do need to protect their goaltenders more. I think they need to protect their teammates more. And it doesn't necessarily have to be fighting somebody. Like today, uh, Eric Johnson hits Curtis Lazar. Pretty good hit. It was clean. Knocked him down. McAvoy later in the game, Johnson's coming down the wing. McAvoy steps up in center ice and drills him. Like, that's the type of thing that you need to see from your team. Like, I love that. I love that. McAvoy said, yeah, you hit our guy. Now I'm hitting you. And it it doesn't have to be a fight every time, but they have to show a a degree of toughness to stand up to some of these teams that think they can bully them. Yeah, and I I agree. And I I just wonder, I think Cassidy has been teaching more of the other side of the defenseman work. And I just wonder if that's now, because I think that has to be, coached up too you know i think that has to be part part of the dna of the team okay and we're going to do this you know we're going to play this way like we always have but we're also going to add this element and i wonder if cassidy is used to coaching that type of you know defenseman work and because he wasn't really that type of player all right time to check in on our whipping boys All right, Trent Frederick has been my whipping boy all year, and I think he's found a home in the 11-12-13 numbers line. I really do. He's he's really picked up his play. That line has been very good. And uh, again today, they set up 
indirectly sort of set up a couple of goals really with their physical play and their heaviness and and I think that he's finding a groove with that group and um, you know look he's not going to give you anything offensively but as long as he just doesn't screw it up and as long as he's you know being a little edgy being physical getting to the front of the net then you know I'm, I'm fine with it as long as he plays that way. Yeah, he chirped Makar today. He he kind of got uh, McDermott or whatever kind of engaged a little bit. So I, I like the way that Freddie's playing. I think that line's been good. I think you keep them together when Marshan comes back and you find a new home on the right wing on the top line. So uh, Smith, I think, stays with those guys. And maybe that maybe that's Jake DeBrusque until the trade deadline. I wouldn't put it past them to, to maybe make that move. You know, you leave Hall and Pasternak with Hall again. And and then your fourth line is Felino and Nosek and, and Lazar. So I think that could be what the what the move is when Marshan comes back, but we'll see. Uh, but I do like the way that that Frederick's been playing with those guys. My uh, whipping boy is Connor Clifton. He hasn't been great, but he is what he is. He was a minus in, in the Ottawa game. Um, you know, I would rather have someone else play. So uh, we'll just. <laughs> We'll just right. we'll just yeah, leave it at that. I would rather have some. I was excited that Vakanina was going to be in today and Clifton was going to be out, but then it didn't end up uh, materializing. So you know, Clifton was fine today. He was fine, but you know, the whole team was good today. So right, and yeah, it would have been Vakanina if he didn't feel a little bit of an illness, or it was either an illness. Cassie didn't quite know an illness or something uh, after effect of the concussion from the gourd hit or something. But uh, Vakanina was a late scratch, so Cliffy was back in there uh, this afternoon. All right, it is time for beauties and benders. We we go through our three beauties, good players this week, good performances, and our three benders, three players that didn't live up to the expectation. Uh, my three beauties, number three, Brandon Carlo. I like what I've seen from Carlo the last two games. Maybe it took the cut on the skate, you know, cut with the skate on the wrist, or Cassidy's comments about being a prick, or whatever it is. Uh, but Carlo scores a goal against Ottawa, and then played a really good game today. And I really focused on him when I was watching the game today on television because I wanted to see how he was playing and seeing if he because he's a big factor on the team. He really is. Uh, if he's playing well, then they have a really good chance. The defensive core to really balance out and and play good hockey. Uh, and he's. Been he was physical. He was he was standing up at the blue line. You know, he was being assertive with the puck. He was skating better. He just looked more confident, more fluid today. So Brandon uh, has played really good hockey the last two games. Number two is David Pasternak. Pasta, two goals today, 27 on the year, two signature one-timers. Almost had a third where he hit a absolute bullet that went off the backboard. Sequoil, who banked it in. But Pasta was very good. And even Brickley said early on in the game, or maybe midway through the second, that he was really paying attention to details. And his details were good. And when that's the case, Pasta is a more well-rounded uh, player for sure. And at number one, Jeremy Swayman. Uh, Sway in his last four games, 9-6-8, save percentage, 3-0-1 looking to solidify himself as the number one goalie, which really makes for an interesting situation with Linus Allmark, who has three more years at $5 million a year on his deal. So if Sway's the goalie, and then they go into the playoffs and he plays well, coming into next year, he's the number one. What do you do with Allmark? So that'll be interesting. It's a nice problem to have, though. I'll tell you that. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah. yeah, and he, Swayman has been excellent. And if you hadn't included Brandon Kylo in your beauties, I would have. But uh, yeah, because yeah, I thought his last two games uh, have been his two best games of the year, I feel like. So my beauties, I have uh, Mike Riley, 
third. I thought since he's been kind of paired with McAvoy more on the, on the top pairing, even going back a little bit before that, he's been really good, much more involved offensively, uh, making good passes out of his own zone, chipping in with some points, some assists. Um, he's had some really good chances to score also, so he's he's generating some offense from back there. So he's been really good lately. Uh, number two, I had Charlie Coyle. That Coyle-Frederick-Smith line's been really good the last few games. They seem to have uh, found some chemistry with the, the three of them. He had a goal today and assist in the Ottawa game. So Charlie Coyle's really been playing um, pretty well. And then I have Taylor Hall first. Uh, he had three assists today. He's been kind of pretty dynamic since um, Martian went down. The first couple games, he wasn't great. The whole team wasn't great in the Islanders game, but but really, you know, the last three, four games, uh, with the exception of the Islanders game, he's been really good. Zone entries, passing the puck really well, generating chances. So uh, Taylor Hall is my number one beauty this week. And you know what, just to piggyback on Coyle, he's really been good on the power play. Like he, he's really added something there on the sidewall a lot, on the half wall, you know, keeping pucks in and making the right decision. And he's, he's really shown some good power play, uh, play these last couple of games with that group. So Coyle's another, Coyle and Carlo both, they're both very important to this team. If you get production out of those two guys, then those are the secondary guys that really need to step up. All right, time now for our benders and my third bender, and I'm trying to get him off the schneid here, and I'm, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, <laughs> but that dead horse is Nick Foligno. Face, you're a neo-maxi Zoom dweeby. God bless him. I mean, today he had a, there was one point today where he went in uh, and I, and he was pretty much, he wasn't really in alone, but he was kind of kind of moving in, and he took forever to bring it from the back end to the forehand. And by the time he shot it, it hit the stick and went like to the ninth floor. Like he just he just looks like a step behind all the time. And uh, you know, I want him to do well. They need him to do well. He signed for another year after this, so God bless us all. But uh, he needs to do more. And and uh, Nick still in the benders uh, column for me. Uh, number two, the commissioner Gary Bettman. Base. You're a neo-maxi-zoom dweeby. <laughs> you know, I just, you know, to be, the irony of it, and I know it's not the same thing, but Rocky Wirtz has his situation happen, and Bettman chalks it up as an emotional moment. Right. And then he goes to the Marshan suspension, and that's not, you know, that's not, it's a far less egregious thing, <laughs> and he gives him six games. Because, you know, he can't hold his emotions. Like, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. No. And Bettman's hasn't made a lot of sense to me in a long, long time. And he's been the commissioner far too long. And uh, he's a weasel. And, I, and I, he's a bender for me, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and then the number one bender of the team, USA men's hockey team. Face, you're a neo-maxi-zoom dweeby. I just thought that Quinn and, and the whole group, I just, I, I didn't understand, you know, what they were doing in the shootout. Beniers is, you know, he has, Manny Beniers has like 60 points in 52 college hockey games. He's like a plus 46. It's like he's a, he's a high end talent going to the Seattle Kraken. It's the number two pick overall. He doesn't shoot in the shootout. Like, I, I don't get it. I mean, that's Bob Asenza must be the, uh, the coach of the uh, shootout <laughs> for Team USA. So that didn't make much sense to me at all. And they're out in the quarters. Yeah, yeah. Not not particularly good good decision-making there. So my three benders, I have my uh, my good buddy, Connor Clifton, number three. Face, you're a neo-maxi-zoom dweeby. Uh, I struggled to find some guys to put in here. And Clifton right. hasn't been great. So Clifton makes it in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number, number two, I had uh, Thomas Nosek. Face, you're a neo-maxi-zoom dweeby. I think Nosek's been pretty good overall still. His production just has 
has dropped way down, has dipped. And mm-hmm. I'd like to see see him give them a little more offensively like he was earlier in the season. That's really my only complaint with him. And uh, my number one is the entire team against the New York Islanders. Base, you're a neo-maxi-zoom dweeby. Like I said, that was just an absolutely embarrassing effort in that Islanders game. That was a, a game that you should have won, and they just came out ridiculously flat, and uh, it was just a poor effort by everyone and uh, deserved Bender's status for sure. In the week uh, since we've done the last episode, book ended by a, your worst performance and then your best performance uh, in a matter of just a few days. Uh, and they had, of course, their best performance of the year, and hopefully they can carry it on onto the West Coast coming up. All right, top seven Benders podcast power rankings. And number seven, the Pittsburgh Penguins, they dropped three spots. They've lost two in a row, but they are still right there in the Metro and have surged to be one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. Number six, entering again after a long layoff, the Calgary Flames. Nine and one in the last ten. They won nine in a row. They played a night or this afternoon as well against, I think it's the Jets or someone today, but the Flames have won nine in a row and they are sixth now in our power rankings. Number five, Toronto Maple Leafs. They move up one spot, seven and three in their last ten and playing some of the most consistent hockey of this of the year in the, in the, in the entire league, really. Uh, number four, the Tampa Bay Lightning. They drop a spot, 7-2-1 in their last 10. The Hurricanes a third. They've, they creep up two spots. They have the lead now in the Metro, 6-2-2 two two in their last 10. Uh, number two, the Florida Panthers stay at number two, 75 points overall. They've won three in a row. And the Colorado Avalanche, even though they lose today, they have 76 points to lead the league, and they are in the top spot in the power rankings. And we got the Bruins Benders podcast power less rankings in the bottom three. Coming in at number 30, the Seattle Kraken, who have lost three in a row. Uh, the Bruins will be there on the 24th to, to face Seattle. So hopefully they keep that losing streak alive for the Kraken. Number 31, your Arizona Coyotes, are three and seven in the last 10. They traded for Nick Ritchie for some <laughs> unknown reason. That's a, uh, that's a bender. <laughs> there's a, yeah, there's a bender for bender. sure. Yeah, an all-time bender. Hall of Benders. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Fame bender. <laughs> Hall of Fame bender. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, they're playing at a college rink pretty soon. Yeah, uh, So yeah. they got a lot going for them, do the Arizona Coyotes. They do. <laughs> they just, do. A, just a ton of positivity around the team uh, right now. Can you but, imagine how, first of all, <laughs> if you're playing in that 4,800-seat stadium, first of all, how do you make enough revenue to have a team. And two, what free agent in their right effing mind would go play in front of 4,800 fans at Arizona State University for 41 times? How, who would you get to do that? Nobody that I know. For years. Nobody that I know unless they want to golf. Unless I they guess. don't really care about, yeah. care about hockey and they, and they want to work on their golf game. Maybe you yeah, can find somebody you to do that. But uh, yeah, not not good at all. And then coming in at number 32, your Montreal Canadiens. They've won two in a row. Has Montreal since, uh, you know, Marty St. Louis got them, uh, you know, maybe yeah. looking in the right direction a little bit. But it does not matter mm-hmm. to us. They could win <laughs> no all the games for the rest of the year. And they no. would still be in last place because we don't like them at all. I'll say this, though. I've always liked Marty Saint. I, I do too. I do too. I, so I like the guy. I do. I saw he was a coach. I'm like, no. I know that. You know what? They hired some good 
they hired some good executives over there and it kind of pissing me off. You know, they hire Gordon, they hire uh, Patrice Bergeron's agent, they hire St. Louis. Yeah. So they're hiring some guys that I like and have respect for. And it's right. really, it really, really <laughs> pisses me off because I, I don't want to root for them at all. And I won't, but, um, I, I do, I do like those guys. And, uh, I guess I, I can't say that I'd like to see them do well because I really, I really don't want them to. Um, no, I don't. But I, I don't want them to get fired either because I, I like those guys a lot and have respect yeah. for them, but not... Uh, make the rivalry better. Yeah, you know, yeah, maybe that's what it is. Good. Maybe that, you know, there, there's the silver lining. Maybe that'll make the Canadians good enough so that the Bruins-Canadian games mean something again, which would be fun. Right. And that's always that's always good. It's always top uh, end hockey. All right, week ahead for the Bruins: February twenty fourth at Seattle, February twenty sixth at San Jose, February twenty eighth at the LA Kings, and March first at Anaheim. That'll be a second game of a back to back with the Kings. Four very winnable games against Western Conference, you know, mediocre to bad teams. So a real chance for the Bruins with Marchand coming back to get on a little bit of a roll here. Bruins Benders poll this week. We have a poll each week. Follow us at Bruins Benders on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This week's question, what would you like the Bruins to do at the trade deadline? And the choices were stand pat, be buyers, or be sellers. And 59% said that they wanted the Bruins to be buyers in this trade uh, at the trade deadline. Uh, 23% to be sellers and 18% to Sam Pat. I still say I want them to go for a guy who has a little bit of term. It can help the team beyond this year. I don't really want want a rental unless it's, I mean, I do Kessel for a third round pick or something. Fine. I don't have giving up assets for a rental of any kind. No, I'm with you. I don't want them to give up assets for, for a rental. I don't, I don't want Lowry or Lysel or Brett Harrison or any of their prospects to go for a rental if you can make a hockey trade with someone for term and and you can get a second line center that's young and is going to be in the league and you can resign and then that's something i would consider i want them to buy but i want them to buy smartly so um hopefully they can add something to this and and the bruins can get hot and and make a little run in the playoffs yeah, and i think that would be the right way to go because you do have to fill in second line center and maybe even first line center I mean, you may have to get fill in two center spots next season. So uh, JT Miller is still the guy that I think I'd want above all else. If he, if you had a good chance of talking him into resigning past next year. You want to rate and review for charity? We send $1 to the Bruins Foundation for every rate and review on Apple or any rating on Spotify. And you can listen to this podcast on all platforms. We're on iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Good Pods. Check out Good Pods. We're up, always up high in the rankings of hockey podcasts and all around sports podcasts on the Good Pods app. And thanks to the listeners, 48 states and 37 countries we have listeners in. That's pretty ridiculous, really. It really is. So I think we figured figured it out. We need somebody from Delaware, whatever, yeah. move to Delaware and listen there, drive through Delaware and listen. Uh, and I right. believe the other one is West Virginia. So maybe that's just, you know, bad reception in the rolling hills of West Virginia. I, I, we're going to chalk it up to that. I think Appalachian Trail or some shit. So the, mount, the mountaineers, yeah, like back, backwoods, West Virginia. Yeah, they don't, they don't care about hockey, but what we need is for someone to Again, drive through, go to college there. I don't care. And uh, and give us a listen from West Virginia, and then we'll uh, we'll chalk that up, and then you, you don't have to. West Virginia, as an aside, you know what's in West Virginia is that dirty dancing, like that whole setup. Oh, is, is it really? Dancing movie is in West Virginia. Like you can go there and stay there as like the dirty dancing ranch or whatever the hell they were in that movie. There's a there's that thing there where you can go and stay there and. 
you know, be Patrick Swayze for three days. She's like the wind. You know? Yeah. So, she's yeah. like the wind. Yeah, she's like the wind. Yeah. You, you know what, you know what else is uh, West Virginia is John Denver, little country roads, right? Yeah. Take yeah. me home. Country road. Country yeah. roads. I still don't get why Baltimore Orioles play. Uh, thank God I'm a country boy. Yeah. During the seventh inning stretch. I don't get that, but we do sweet Caroline. So what the hell? Do I yeah. Know? It doesn't make any sense at all. No, it doesn't. Uh, hey, go to inside the rink.com for Bruins Benders merchandise. We have t-shirts and hoodies there. There's also some great articles on there. A lot of Bruins content. So go ahead on there as well and check out inside the rink.com. There's other podcasts from other teams around the league too. And that'll do it for episode 17 playing like pricks. We'll see if the Bruins continue to do so this week. And we hope everybody has a great week. Go Bruins. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye.